going to start with a nice word on Parshas Shlach. The Parsha of the Maraglim. So the Maraglim came back and said about Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Echelis Yeshveyu. One of the things that they said about Eretz Yisrael was that it's a, it's a land that eats up its people. So there's a nice word from the Heidegger Vurke, the Bitzikal Vurke. It says, Eretz Echelis Yeshveyu um, was a description of Eretz Yisrael not tolerating Yeshveyu, those who sit comfortably. It's still not a place where you can just sit and relax. You're either going to grow and become better people and become closer to Hashem, or you're going to fall away. There are places, maybe, there are lands that are okay with people who just uh, sit comfortably, status quo, not growing too high, not going too low. You know, it's, it's more, it's more, uh, it's easier to just stick around. But in the Yisrael, that's where the challenge is. It's a very, it's a very holy place, and you're either going to use it the right way, use it correctly, and grow from it, or you're going to fall. And they were afraid that Christ wouldn't, wouldn't use it accordingly. That's why they were afraid that uh, because it's a it's a cheles yeshveyu, it's going to it's going to it's going to cause a problem. And that's where Kulav, Kulav and Yefina was saying, Ulay Nala, slowly, slowly we'll get there. As long as we're consistently moving forward, even if we don't grow all the way at once, um, doing anything extreme, but if we grow slowly, Ulay Nala, Tzibislach, um, we'll be able to get there. Which, by the way, it's an interesting idea because. Very many people quote the Rambam, who says that when a person is trying to correct a middah, um, the way to do it is to go to the other extreme first, and then go back to the middle. So that's often understood as, you know, if somebody's, let's say, lazy, or let's say somebody comes late, for example, he wants to correct that, go all the way to the other extreme, come an hour early, and then slowly you'll go back into what's called normal, which doesn't work like that in real life. You can't go all of a sudden to the other extreme. But the Avitz explains, there's something I quote in that cipher that I gave out recently, Memzik Sam Yashiyam, um, but the Avis explains that the Ram doesn't mean that you should do it in one big leap, one extreme, you know, just jump to the other direction. You know, if somebody's a lazy person, all of a sudden they'll be aggressive and motivated to an extreme. It doesn't work like that in real life. The Ram means to say that you should grow slowly, till you get to the other extreme, and then um, slowly shift back into something that's more regular. So anyway, that's what Kulav and Yivin was saying, that it's true, this world definitely does demand uh, growth and demand the person to to not uh, you know just stay put where he is, but it could be done slowly. Ula um, nala. What I just wanted to point out was that you know similar to Etisrul being a land where you can't just stay put, as opposed to other land, other other places, other countries, other places where Klal was, where you could do that. So stick around in the midbar and be a regular nation, and 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 you'll be fine. You go into Etisrul, that's challenging. Similarly. When it comes to relationships, there, there are relationships which I call, it's just my own term, but uh, um, high-maintenance relationships, and there are low-maintenance relationships. There are relationships which, you know, husband and wife, getting along, easier people, more compatible, however, however you want to describe it, but they have what it takes to just, just get along. You don't have to put in so much effort, you don't have to put in so much work, you don't have to, you don't have to be uh, you know, on high alert and make sure you're doing always the right thing and saying the right thing. You know, it's easier to get along. It's, it's, it's clear. It's clear that some people just are easier to get along with and you don't have to put in as much work. Not a question. And then you have relationships that are what I call high-maintenance relationships, which are very doable, very doable, and oftentimes even more um, rewarding, I should say, similar to Etsy's rule. If you put in the work, you go very high, but it's high-maintenance. And you have to be ready for it and you have to put in the work. And sometimes people are just busy complaining about how the relationship is is failing or suffering or challenging, but they're not ready to put in the work that such a relationship demands. It's important to understand that if you're dealing with a relationship with shown bias or any kind of relationship for that matter, which is which is not easy, it just goes to show how much more you have to invest in it. 
just sitting and complaining about why it's not easy is not going to get anyone anywhere. And I think this is something that, you know, some people just have to accept the fact that they are in a relationship which is, it's not going to last if you're just sitting comfortably and not doing anything about it. But then again, similar to this rule, sometimes those are the relationships that actually reap the most rewards, the most uh, beneficial, the most uh, profitable, if you do what you have to do. And that's why, you know, this is what we try to address every week, help people with good ideas. Some people don't need all these ideas. I'll tell you the truth. It's good for everyone to invest in relationships and, and, and you know, do whatever you could to make your spouse feel good and do whatever you could to build a home and become closer and connected. Not a question. But some people don't need as much these tips and tools and ideas. And some people do. And for those who do, it's definitely worthwhile putting in the effort. So with that, let me read a question over here. Hi, I would like to ask a question. I'm involved in a case where I'm trying to help the lady with her marriage. She's doing amazing and does whatever she could that's in her power to support her husband and be there for him. From hearing the situation, I'm understanding that the husband has some mental health issues, like anxiety and emotional regulation issues. He's a nice person and loves his wife very much, but he has a lot of anxiety in many areas, for example, in the area of financials. They have over enough money to live on, but if she buys an extra nash for Shabbos or a bag of lettuce, he flies off the handle. He also has a lot of social anxiety. He can go to any appointment on his own. He needs his wife to come with him to the doctor or dentist, or otherwise he will not go. In general, he loses it at her very often. Then he would apologize. An hour later, he hurts her again in a nasty way and then apologizes. He can't control himself. This happens all throughout the day, constantly going into flight-and-fight mode, yelling at his wife, not because he wants to be nasty, but because of his anxieties and limitations. There is a limit to how much this wife can work on her marriage on her own. We would like to suggest the husband go for help to deal with his issues. How would, how would you suggest we bring this up to him when we, when we know that he will likely fight it? As a side point, he's very against his wife going for help. Thank you so much. Looking forward to hear, hearing your advice. Okay, so there's a lot to say about this. Um, in short, somebody helping a friend in a difficult marriage, seeing the husband as having mental health issues and a lot of problems and being a very difficult personality, just in short. So the question really is, how do we get him to go for help? I'll, I'll tell you, Chad, that's not really the part that I want to address. For all I know, they already either did that or didn't do that or decided not to do that. Uh, let, let me just start with a few, a few points over here. First of all, it's always hard to assess a situation hearing from one side alone. Um, especially over here where I'm not even hearing it just from one side. I'm hearing it from somebody's assessment of hearing what's going on from one side. I, I just want to point this out. So often I see the distortions, and again, I have no reason to assume that you're distorting anything, or that your friend is distorting anything, or that it's not exactly the way you're saying it. I'm just mentioning that so often things are distorted, they're coming with a certain perception of what's going on. In other words, at the end of the day, it sounds like, it sounds like to me that all you're hearing is your friend. Um, you don't even sound like a professional. So I'm getting a non-professional opinion of a biased um, perception of how your friend is experiencing her relationship. It's just important to realize that it's very hard to assess something that way. I don't mean hard for myself. I mean to say that if I would now start addressing this, assuming or making believe it's clear that this is what we're dealing with, that, that would be irresponsible. For all I know, um, your friend might have some of her own issues which you either aren't sharing with me or you're not even aware of. For all I know, um, some of these details are just based on the way that she sees it, and really he's not being all that nasty. It's just how um, she's hearing it from him. It's just how she's experiencing it. For all I know, that small extra nash or small bag of lettuce that flies him over the handle could be adding up over the week to an extra $120. 
and you're talking about a couple who doesn't have what it takes to make ends meet, and she's just claiming that he does. I, I, you see, I don't know any of this. It could be that everything you're saying is right, and I'm going to be addressing it based on what you're saying. I just have to point out that to assume with certainty that this is the way it is, that would be irresponsible. I, I, I've seen too many situations that have been presented, mamish this way, mamish this way, and you know when you look into it a little deeper, you see it's like, I don't know, it's like you're hearing two different stories. Forget about who's right and wrong. You're just hearing two different stories. It's not anymore about the small bag of nash. It's not anymore about the, you know, about the comments and things like that. There's so much more to it. Interestingly, um, I just spoke this week in my Komavasashir, in the Chalama story. And one of the lessons I took out of the story was that it's hard to know who's the crazy one. When you're hearing two different people say two different stories, it's hard to really know what's right and wrong. And sometimes you just, either because you're biased or passionate about, you know, helping one to help someone. Um, but it's very, very easy to to get different pictures of what's going on over here. Um, that's first of all. Just another point that I mentioned often, the fact that one... Again, I'm just using these terms when I say crazy, Meshiga, I don't mean that chas v'shulam. I'm saying the fact that one person in a relationship is crazy doesn't mean the other one is not. In other words, it's so easy to point out where somebody is doing everything wrong, they're saying everything wrong to a point where, listen, it's on recording, and it's true, and it's proven that this guy has some mental health issues, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't. Again, you might not see it, or you might say that it's only being caused because of him, or whatever. I'm just pointing out that not always is it good to just see it this way and assume that this is how it is, and now figure out how to deal with it based on the assumption that the way you perceive the situation is, is correct. But I will address it based on the description that you said, um, that you're giving me, and I will also say that it may not necessarily help anyone if that description is inaccurate. Um, okay. Another two points that I want to mention, even before starting with any advice, is that you mentioned that it sounds, from what she's saying, from what you're hearing, that he has some anxiety and emotional regulation issues. Okay, like I said, I don't know if that's true or not, but I hear. I don't know if this is something you shared with your friend or not. A very sensitive piece of information. I've seen situations that they got worse because somebody was told, um, I think your husband has some mental health issues. Now, it could be your friend knows it, could be she told it to you. I'm just, I'm just pointing this out for people to hear. Um, if your friend doesn't know or doesn't, is not aware that her husband is suffering from anxiety or some mental health issues, and you're pointing it out to her, that could be very damaging. You have to be careful how you how you give feedback when somebody's saying something like that. You don't want to you don't want to make her husband look worse in her eyes than he already does. That's that's one. Another thing is that in general, diagnosing uh, mental health issues, it's 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 a very sensitive topic. Whoever read my book knows that. I see a lot of this as being just personality-based and a lot of it is just based on some, some emotional or hypersensitivity and, and other kind of stuff. But to call it now, to give it a diagnosis and make someone officially crazy, I, I, know, I know people don't mean to make anyone called crazy, but that's what happens. I was recently dealing with a situation where a therapist felt for it to be very important to share with a woman that her husband must be suffering from anxiety, OCD, or other kind of um, diagnosis, diagnosis and... You can just imagine what that did. Now it's already official. Now she can use it against him. Now she's a victim because she's living with somebody with mental health issues. Now, you know, she's unfortunately fell in... This, this, it didn't, didn't do any good. It didn't do any good. And by the time it becomes an official diagnosis, you know, how fast does it go away? It doesn't go away. Anyway. So that's also something that has to be dealt with very sensitively. Um, I, I will also mention one more point, and that is the part about being a good friend and trying to help out. It's wonderful. Everybody needs a friend. Those who think they don't are usually mistaken. Everyone needs a friend. Everyone needs who to talk to. It's fine to be able to talk to someone. You should be able to talk to someone. Um, as a matter of fact, part of Hilchus Lushen Hara accommodates the fact that sometimes you need someone to vent to and to feel better and to discuss with and things like that. 
um, just recently I was talking to a young man who was complaining to me that he doesn't have who to talk to and it's very hard for him to have who to talk to. So the fact that you're a friend with a listening ear is a great thing. It's very important both for the friend listening as well as the person talking to a friend to both be aware of and assess is this, is this sharing with this friend helpful or not? In other words, if you're a friend that somebody's venting to and you're listening, being that you're not professional or you have to make sure that you're qualified just to be a friend and make sure you're not misguiding or misleading anyone by letting them vent to you. Sometimes a well-meaning friend will, will give the extra validation and say, wow, you're such a victim, I don't know how you're doing this. And you don't know what those comments cause, what kind of problem that causes. And the same thing is the other way around. It's important for the person sharing to a friend to assess. Is my sharing to this friend, is venting to this friend, is sharing my feelings and, and saying what's going on, is that helpful? Or when I hang up and I'm finished talking to her, I, I get more resentful and more, um, and more confrontational and more angry at my spouse. I hear this often. A guy was also telling me that you know, every time his wife comes home from the therapist, who officially is, he is here to help the marriage get better, um, things just get worse. Every time, literally. The day she comes back, it takes two or three days for her to calm down and, and have a normal relationship with me. So again, is, is, is that therapist helping? Now maybe the therapist is not even saying anything that's, being, that's provoking um, negativity and, and, and arguments, but, but maybe just the way she's listening or maybe the, the feedback she's giving. You know? So that's important for everybody to, to realize and assess properly to make sure that a friendship and a listening ear and anything you want to offer someone, which is extremely important, like I said, or anything you need from someone, should not in any way be damaging. Now, let me, let me mention a few things over here, both for the friend to know and for anyone that's in such a relationship to know. If you're right... And this is the part that I, I, we discussed this recently a few times already. If you're right that the person, this husband, has anxiety and, and emotional regulation issues and whatever other stuff um, that he really has to work on, okay? So you're dealing with somebody with serious mental health issues, let's say, based on what you're telling me. What, what, what does that say? In other words, at this point, at this point, where, where somebody's so limited or so challenged by his own personal struggle, I mean, what do you want from him? What, what could he really do to help himself? So often you see somebody who has a problem as, well, you're the problem, right? I'm diagnosing you as the problem. I'm, I'm picking up on all the problems you're bringing to the relationship. You need help. Like the question is, how, how do I send him for help? He doesn't want to go for help. I want him to go for help. The more, the more accurate that you're describing this, in other words, the, the truer it is that he's very limited and very challenged, that, that's what makes him less part of the solution. If you're dealing with somebody with these limitations... Maybe he can't help himself. Maybe there's all little he could do. What do you want from him? The more you point out where someone else is at fault, the more it, I don't want to say obligates you, you're not obligated, but technically the bigger part of the solution that you are. The bigger problem, the bigger part of the problem that someone else is just makes you a bigger part of the solution. The crazier someone else is and the more normal you are, doesn't mean that, oh, so it's obvious now that it's his problem and I'm okay. No, the bigger part of the problem he is, the more limited he is, the more part of the solution you are. And it's very important for people to, to realize that. Now, we, I spoke about this recently, that this should make you feel empowered, you should feel good. You're the normal one, you're the balanced one, you're the logical one. Use those capabilities, use those qualities, and help your situation. But my point is just that the more you see somebody else as being limited and being challenged and being a problem, it just means that there might be so little that that person can really do to help them. Does. There might be so little anyone can do to help them. It might, it might just be that way. And it's important to, to understand that uh, you're not helping, and again, talking again to the friend, you're not helping your friend by 
encouraging her and making her feel good and pointing out all his problems, and now she's, she's absolved. It doesn't work like that. Your, your work should be, if, if you know what you're doing and you're qualified, or at least trying to help her get the help she needs, to learn how to deal with somebody who's very limited. Again, I'll mention another, another situation where somebody was going to a therapist who, again, was pointing out where the spouse was all the problem, but, but not helping this person cope with a problematic relationship. Now, aside from the fact that I think the therapist uh, totally um, um, uh, made a mistake in, in assessing the situation properly, but uh, the way I work, the way I work and the way I write it in my book, when you're dealing with somebody who's challenging, people ask me sometimes, maybe you're wrong, maybe, maybe you only heard one side of the situation, maybe you're only assuming that the other person is the problem, maybe the, maybe the one coming to you really is the problem. My answer to that is always that the way I work is that if your spouse is the problem, you're the solution. Let me teach you how to work with this person. In other words, the fact that you fooled me, let's say, you fooled me. You may believe you're the normal one and that you're living with a crazy one. That's fine. Even if you're wrong, I'm not telling you to go home and bash your spouse. I'm telling you that you have to now learn how to deal with somebody who's very challenging. So if you fooled me into thinking that you're the normal one, all you did was you had me try to help you do the right thing instead of trying to help someone else do the right thing. So I think that's a very important point, you know, to just understand that the more you see somebody else as being limited, the more you're acknowledging that that person may not be able to help themselves. And now it's up to you to learn, what could I do to make this relationship better? And you could. And you could, and this is what we started off with. This is called a high-maintenance relationship, where if you put in the right work, then naivish yourself, you, you, should get, you should get the results you need. So let, let me break this down into two parts. One is what I'll call treating your husband or your friend treating her husband, or you helping your friend treat her husband. And the other one is um, helping your friend treat herself. And that has to be, that has to be separated. If, you don't, if, if everything becomes enmeshed in one big you know, mishmash, then it becomes very hard. If the way you treat your husband has so much to do with the way he's treating you or the way you want to treat yourself, it's very hard to balance all that in one, in one thing and try to come up with, with what makes sense. So let, let's just break this down a little bit. Treating your husband. You're dealing with a husband who has some kind of mental health issues, let's say. How are you making him feel? How are you treating him? How are you, how are you behaving toward him? And how is that affecting how he feels? So it's very easy to say, well, he has his own anxieties, has nothing to do with me, and, and there's nothing I can do about it. Who said? Who said? And this is something I point out often. Are there relationships where he's doing better in? I don't know. I'm asking. Very often that's the case. Do you notice that when he's with his siblings or his parents or his friends, he's, he's relatively less challenged? Now, I know it's very easy to say, well, that's not a marriage, it's not a spouse. Of course he could for a few minutes, but, but just think about it. Could it be that in certain relationships, in certain places, he's doing a bit better? And you'll notice, why is that? So again, anyone who read my book, get along with everyone, will know that that has to do with, with a person's sensitivities. When a person who's very sensitive, very emotional, very dependent on how they feel, when that person is feeling good, or feeling respected, or feeling taken care of, feeling comfortable, emotionally comfortable, they'll be doing much better. Not a question. They could be anxious, they could have OCD, they could have Asperger's, they could have borderline personality disorder, they could have anything you want. I don't know if you have these things or you don't have these things, but without going into that discussion, um, are, you trying, are you doing whatever you could to make your husband feel good? Before you spend the money and before he gets angry and before the appointments that you have to take him with and before anything else, just in the daily interactions, in the ones that are not yet stressful, if you could beat him to the punch and be one step ahead and really make him feel good, I believe that will really do a lot for him, regardless of what his issues are. And this is something that everyone has to hear, because so often, you know, it's easy to just point out and notice where somebody else is, 
it's just not workable and bringing up problems and you're busy dealing with problems the whole day without realizing aside from the problems what could you do to make this relationship better how can you make someone else feel better now you might not be obligated to do this this, I don't want this to sound like a codependency thing where it's your obligation to make someone else feel good. You're not his therapist, and you're not his um, mentor, and, and, and you're not at fault for his problems. It's all true. But so often you'll notice that there are the small things that you could do to make him feel just a bit better, a bit calmer, a bit more relaxed, a bit more taken care of. And, and it's, a shame. it's a shame when people don't do this. It's a shame when people um, could be doing so much more of this and don't. So that's just in the general. And one question I often ask, if I would ask your husband, if I would ask your husband, what does your wife think of you? Again, I'm not asking what you think of him. I'm not asking what he thinks of himself. I'm asking, if I would ask him, what does your wife think of you? What would he answer? If he'll answer, my wife thinks very highly of me, and she loves me, and she respects me, and she needs me, and, 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 and she's so appreciative of me, yeah, that, 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 that's something. If you can get your husband to say that, that's something. And if he's still being so difficult after agreeing that you really um, think highly of him and, and respect him and treat him well, then, then I, I, would, I would agree that he, has, he must have some issue if that's how he's treating someone who he really feels is extremely respectful toward him and nice to him. My feeling, however, is that he might say, my wife thinks I'm difficult, my wife thinks that I'm stingy, my wife thinks that I'm controlling, my wife thinks that I'm problematic, my wife thinks I have mental health issues. Now, you're not at fault if he thinks that way, and it could be he's right. It could be you really want to think highly of him and it's his own issues projecting them on you. It could be that he's so crazy that it's hard to make him think otherwise. It could be. But if you can get him to feel and think that you think highly of him, you'll see a very big change in Mitzvah Now, in particular, in the areas that we do get stuck on, right, whether it's finances, for example, or other things, again, if you could beat him to the punch, only if you could, and make him feel a drop more comfortable by telling him in advance, I know we're, I know we're a little tight or not tight. I know that you don't like when I spend money without asking you. Um, it's, it's important to me to have this nash in the house for Shabbos it's important for me to have this little extra bag of something are you okay with it? it's not expensive if you're okay with it I would appreciate it it will mean a lot to me now before I go on I have to start asking for every little thing you don't, you don't have to do anything I'm just trying to help you understand that when somebody's that emotionally high wired you might just be able to make them feel more comfortable in advance instead of them looking at the receipt and seeing why'd you buy this we still have it from last week we threw it out the old one we didn't even use it and you're wasting money and it all adds up just, just, be a, just be one step ahead. And you'll see that by making someone feel emotionally comfortable with things that would trigger them. And noticing that they may be only getting triggered not by the small expense, right? That's what you're wondering. Why we have money and it's only two fifty, It's only 2050 cents. You're right. So it must not be that. They must be getting triggered by something else. Maybe it's by feeling that you don't, you, you're just totally not interested in what they have to say. Or you don't care. Or that uh, whatever it is. I do believe that especially in these areas. For, oh, another example. Whether, whether it's going to an appointment, for example. By the time somebody asks you, could you please come with me to an appointment, and you stop saying, well, I can't. What do you mean, why can't you? You don't care about me. Uh, if a day earlier you say, you know, I'd love to come with you for that appointment. It's really difficult for me. And if I do it, it means that it's going to cause this and this problem. If you're okay with me, but if you beat someone to the punch and talk nicely about it instead of challenging, and you, you don't wait till it's challenging, and you don't say it in the way that's challenging, so much can be avoided and taken care of. You'd be surprised. You really would be surprised. Um, I also want to mention just just in the bigger picture where, where whether it's the whether it's the young woman over here who has the error or the friend who has the error. Sometimes people justify disrespect or, or or disregard for for a spouse because they're so difficult and so challenging and there's nothing I can say anything that's right and I don't care at this point I just decided and if he doesn't go for help, 
Nothing will justify disrespect in a relationship, especially when it's a husband. Just remember that. He could be crazy, he could be irrational, he could be, he could be off the wall. And, and there are ways to deal with that. And, and you know, if you feel at any point that you can't deal with a relationship anymore, okay, then there are ways to deal with a relationship that you can't deal with anymore. There are ways to get out of a relationship. But if you're married and you're in a relationship, the fact that there are difficulties and the fact that someone else is making a lot of mistakes doesn't justify um, um, being disrespectful. So don't, don't mix and match and don't make it into a whole color war and tug of war you know, because you said yesterday and I said this and I don't have color. You, ha- you want to be and you have to be a respectful wife. And I believe that if you are and you, just, and you make that firm, conscious decision of always being respectful and always trying to make your husband feel as emotionally comfortable as you can, I really believe you'll, you'll see a big difference um, regardless of, of you know, how, how responsible you are to do so. And in general, like I talk about often when it comes to sensitive people, um, when somebody's more sensitive and their emotional needs are higher, it's reason to give more, not less. So often we see it like, he needs so much, that's it. Yeah, and there's a, that old joke about the mother whose kid was tugging at her skirt and she was getting so frustrated, he doesn't stop, he needs so much attention, this kid. He's going, you always ask for attention. And the friend says, so, so why don't you give it to him? Sometimes when somebody's asking for attention, that's when we don't give it. Instead of realizing that a kid who's asking for attention needs it more. So give it to him. He's asking you for it. That's what he needs. When somebody's very sensitive and their emotional needs are higher, I understand that it's reason for frustration sometimes. On the other hand, it's reason to give it because you know what he needs. So how come you're not giving it? So the fact that he's emotionally challenged and you're giving him names of mental health issues, it's not a reason to give less when somebody needs more. It could be exhausting, it could be, you don't want to, it could be frustrating. Like I said, I want to just sit, relax comfortably, I want to be in a marriage that takes no effort from me. I do believe that if you're aware of what someone needs, their emotional needs, and you're ready to cater to it, and you do it with, 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 um, with a certain intelligence, a certain understanding, and you do it before it's asked for, and you do it in a, in a, in a thought-out way, it will be a lot easier than doing it after it's being demanded, and after somebody's already unhappy, and after somebody's already resentful. So that's not a question. One more thing I do want to mention is also that you threw in between the lines that he doesn't mean anything bad. He's just, you know, challenged. Um, he's a nice person who loves his wife very much, blah, blah. It's important for him to hear that. And I point this out often. Sometimes when people write me emails, that's when they, that's when they acknowledge that he's really a good guy. He doesn't mean anything. Did you ever tell that to him? Maybe you did. Does he think that you see him that way? Does he, does he believe and feel that you really see the good in him and you know that he's simply a little challenged and he doesn't mean it? Does he hear how much you appreciate when he does apologize, which you mentioned that he does? Does he hear how much you notice the good things that he does which go unnoticed because they're considered normal and expected? Again, I'm just throwing in these comments, but they're very important. You'd be surprised how when you communicate these things, I make sure somebody knows um, how much good you see in them and how much you believe in them um, and try to take care of them. I, I really believe that you'll see a big difference. Now, that's all about treating your husband. Now, aside from that, there's the part about treating yourself. In my book, I have a chapter on boundaries, and we spoke often about boundaries. Every relationship has to have very healthy boundaries. And any relationship that's struggling, there are boundaries that were, that were violated. Okay? It's the, what I term as the mind, the yours, and the ours. In every relationship, as close as you are, as committed and dedicated as you are one to another, there's always the things that belong to me, those are mine, the things that belong to you, those are yours, and other things that belong to us, and that's ours. There are so many violations of boundaries in this situation that you're describing to me that I don't even know where to start. A husband that's making his wife come with him to his appointments, for example, again, when you could go, go. I'm not, I'm not suggesting or encouraging women to not go with their husband to an appointment. I'm saying if for whatever reason you can't, or for whatever reason it's too hard, 
So, so that's his appointment. And you're going. We're mixing two different... You don't have to go when he has an appointment. But then he won't go. That, that's his thing, not your thing. That, that's what it's called dependency. If I don't go, then he won't go. If I don't, if I don't do this for him, then... Slow. It has, it has to make sense. When you set things up properly and, and you tell your husband, I'm willing to make the grocery order. Please allow me a certain amount of consideration, how much I can spend. Or you could do it yourself. It's not a fight. It's, it's simply understanding... Um, how control works and how relationship works and how to and how to express these things and communicate them. I mean, the question finishes over here also with how do I send him for help? He doesn't want. He doesn't even want me to go for help. Again, you're mixing and matching. If he should go for help or doesn't go for help or if help will help him, I don't even know. That's his issue. If you want to go for help and you express it nicely, you say, "Listen, it's not about you. Um, I don't think you're a problem. I, I simply feel I need some help myself. I'd really appreciate if you could let me go for help. This is something I have to do. Nothing to do with you. It doesn't obligate you." If you could start splitting these things up and saying them nicely and being very clear and firm about, listen, I'll, I can just tell you what I need. It's not about you. It's not, not because I'm right and you're wrong. It's not because you have to agree with me or come along with me or work along with me. You know, so, so often, knowing how to not control what someone else does, knowing how to not be controlled, knowing how to not be afraid, knowing how to express yourself, those are all boundary issues. It's okay for you to express yourself. It's okay for you to do something. And, you know, if somebody else might not like it, it's okay. You, you can't always live life being controlled or having someone else or looking for someone else's approval at all times or, or being afraid of, you know, and the same thing with tolerating. If somebody's doing something that's intolerable, you're not trying to control them. You could just, you, you have to be able to express yourself and say, listen, it doesn't work for me. I don't think you do anything wrong or maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm at fault. I, I don't know. This doesn't work for me. I, I can't be here when you scream at me. It's not, I'm not trying to get you to quiet down. I'm just telling you what I could... That's what boundaries are about. It's very important to understand. That, I know that I'm saying this very quickly, but knowing how to be assertive and communicate in a very clear and healthy way. I can tell you what I need. You can do as you understand. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Please understand me as well. And learning where we do have to do things together, whether it's finances or home or things like that, we do have to be considerate of each other and neither of us should be controlling something. You know, it's, it's, it's all very, very important thing. And like I said before, the fact that if I don't cover for him, he's not going to... It's okay. It's okay. That's where you're getting swept in and, and you're tolerating certain things and that's why they're happening. So often, a lot of dysfunction in a relationship is only because somebody is allowing it to happen. So if your husband's only going to appointments if his wife comes along with him, I'm afraid it's because you told him that that's okay. I'm afraid that if you don't go with him, he might miss an appointment or two, but maybe then he'll start going when, he, when his tooth is hurting you know, enough. I, I wouldn't want that to happen. Again, I'm not saying there's something wrong with a wife going with a husband to an appointment. I don't want to make it sound like that. I'm just, it's important to communicate and be clear about what you could do and what you can't do. And you're doing all this while not contradicting anything I said before about being extra nice and extra respectful, extra understanding, extra caring. When you, when you ask your husband about his appointments and about his tooth and about his doctor and about the finances and things to show him that you care about him and it means a lot what he thinks and what he feels and you're showing him how much you need him and how much you respect him, he'll probably be a lot calmer and a lot easier about a lot of other things that you want to communicate about, the things that, that you don't feel that you could uh, do exactly what he wants and, and things like that. Now, I'll just end off with this. You might be in a relationship your, your friend might be in a relationship that really does need a lot of help. She might not be able to cope with this on her own, regardless of if she's part of the problem or not. Um, and it's important to get help when you need it, one-on-one. You know, to wait for a shear to be addressed, obviously, and just hear things in a general way is not always helpful. Many people need help. And when you need help, go to someone who's helping you and make sure that you're getting the right help. It's important for you, for you to know how to help your friend get help. It's important for you to know how to make sure that your friend's help is helping and work along and give the encouragement that things could be good, and make everyone feel positive about the future, and, the, and, you know, and, and hopeful. There's so much that could be done. It, it's sad when 
when relationships that could work out and could be dealt with um, in, a, in a good way could be encouraged, could be instead, you know, just when the people around or the people that, that, that are talking to somebody in a challenging uh, situation just, just, just ruin everything. So just to sum it up, um, it's very important for anyone living with somebody they feel has some serious challenges to understand. The more challenged somebody is, the more that you really want to invest the effort to make that person feel good. Instead of saying, well, if they don't go for help, I'm not helping them. They might not even be able to go for help at this point. I, I don't know. I don't know if the help could help them at this point. I do believe that a lot of what they're doing and a lot of their behavior is a reaction, not to anything wrong that you're doing, but a reaction to how they're feeling and something that you can make them feel better about. And this is a very general rule that I, I talk about so often and I really strongly believe in. Um, anyone who's in a relationship with somebody who's behaving very, very negatively, let's call it, a lot of it has to do with how they're feeling about their close relationships. And if you do what you can do to make the people around you feel better, you'll, you'll see that you'll be accessing a lot of good. And to sit, to sit quietly and say, listen, this is what I'm dealing with, and I'm not going to, you know, I, I must not be the problem because someone else is, instead of feeling good about being part of the solution, that's, that's never a good attitude. So, you know, my, my hopes to you and to your friend and to, your, and to the friends, um, you know, that, that we all understand each other better, that we have the koiches and the attitude and the encouragement and the motivation to put in whatever effort it takes to make a high-maintenance relationship not only be um, acceptable and tolerable, but actually the best that it could be, similar to Etsy's rule. If you put in the work and you access all the good, then it's, it's the holiest there is, and I will be able to live together.